Okay, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and get started then. If um, thank you for closing those doors back there, Dan, I appreciate that. Um, welcome to week three of your neighbor's faith. Um, I would just go ahead and like to let you know if if you've not caught the first two weeks of this. Uh, they are on Spotify. Stephen has them uploaded, and I would highly, highly, highly encourage you to go online and listen to the first two weeks uh, that Stephen has talked about uh, your neighbor's faith. And really, um, what I love about this and the, the thrust that he's put behind this is the why, the understanding of, of why is it that we need to understand the beliefs and the faiths of the people that are around us. And it's not so that we have an intellectual cudgel to beat people into submission and to win arguments and to, to get better scores on debates and to get one up on our neighbor. That's not it at all. It's actually to understand where people are coming from and to more, more readily minister to the needs and preach the gospel to people that are lost, that are, that are in false systems, that um, need to hear the truth of the Word of God. That's really what we need to do to, to equip ourselves and exercise ourselves in these things so that we can be more effective in bringing God the glory that He deserves. Um, so then he asked me tonight to talk about my experiences um, and what God brought me to a Bible-preaching church. And uh, anyway, before we go any further, I just want to stop and let's just go before the Lord and, and, uh, and pray. Father... God, I love you, and um, Lord, you just, you know that as I've been preparing for this to talk about this, Lord, my mind has been all over the place, um, different things to talk about, different, different aspects of things that have happened in my life, Lord, it all comes back to the same thing. I keep finding myself coming back to the same thing. Lord, you've been so good to me. You've done so many things in my life, Lord, and, and I wouldn't have a story if it wasn't for you. And uh, I, I would be lost in every sense of the word. So, Father, the things that are going to be discussed tonight, Lord, it's really what you've done and who you are and your goodness and your grace and the, the power of your book. And um, I pray, Lord, that I really would just get out of the way, that the focus would be on you, that you would give me the words to say, the, the, the order, the structure, everything, God, that it would just bring you the glory that you deserve and that it would, um, God, that it would just uh, encourage us to walk more, more closely with you and that we would be more faithful to you and that we would draw closer to you, that you would be glorified in the lives of each and every person here. Father, I love you and I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for who you are and I thank you for saving my soul and I thank you for giving me this book and I pray that I would be found faithful with it and I just ask all of this in Christ's name, amen. So go ahead and turn to Proverbs 16. And as I, as I was thinking about this, Stephen had, uh, he said... He kind of laid out the, how he was going to go through this study and what he wanted to talk about, your neighbor's faith, and week by week. And um, he, he asked me, as I said again, how did I get here? How did God bring me here? What did he do? And then to, what are some, some monumental things that I could point at and say, God had done this. This is a watershed moment. This is where God had worked. And so I thought about that and prayed about that and prayed about it and thought about it. And there's really three things. There are three key events that took place in my life that, that, I, that I want to focus on tonight. There are many more than that. But there was a phone call, there was an invitation, and there was a revelation. There were three events, a phone call, an invitation, and a revelation. And um, we're going to go through each one of those and take a look at them tonight. Your study sheet is blank because I just... Listen, just sit back and, and take whatever notes you can. Um, I didn't want to let you go in and it was in my mind because it wouldn't even fit on that page anyway. 
But uh, to go back, I wrestled with how far to go back, but I wanted to give you a little bit of sense of my background and where I come from and, and kind of how I see the world. And um, I come from a large family. There's nine kids in my family. I have uh, eight boys and a girl. I'm number four. Um, I lived most of my childhood in southeast Ohio, down or, or around a little town uh, outside of Marietta. And um, when I was 13, my parents divorced. Uh, my mom ended up leaving. She took my five younger siblings with her. Um, and me and my three older brothers ended up staying with my dad. Um, because it's a depressed area, money's hard to come by down there, the only work that he could get was being an over-the-road truck driver. Which means for about a year, year and a half, me and my brothers were, just keep your head down, don't get in trouble, don't draw attention. We just kind of had to look out for ourselves. And we all understood that we're, we're surviving, and we did. Um, throughout the course of that year, year and a half, a, a family friend would stop and check in on us from time to time. Uh, he and his wife, they would open up their home to us, um, and they really, they really were just trying to be, to be godly, faithful people, and they were members of a holiness church. And I don't know if you're familiar with the holiness movement or not. Um, very, cal or, I'm sorry, very legalistic, uh, the, the ladies would wear long sleeves all the time. They never cut their hair. Um, you can lose your salvation. It's, it's works-based. They would say it's not works-based, but it is. Um, and, and just a myriad of, of these, these rules that you've got to follow and, and keep hold of. I did hear the gospel very clearly several times by being interacting with, with this guy and his wife and his family and going to church there. Um, I can remember going to, to messages and listening to the pastor preach and... and um, very animated, but we'll leave it at that. There was no expository preaching. I do remember reading a gospel track in his living room that, that um, <clears throat> was a chick track, and there was a question posed in the track that said, um, you tied your shoes this morning, how do you know the coroner won't untie them tonight? And I remember that was just a question that lodged in my head, as all of these things were kind of, I'm just taking this in as a young guy whose world's been turned upside down. Um, so that guy had an influence on my life, and then uh, as I would visit my mom and, and eventually went to live with my mom, she went to uh, Pentecostal churches, um, and, and so they would all be tongues, healing, um, prophets. Uh, we'll touch more on that here in a little bit, an uh, interaction I had with a quote-unquote prophet, um, and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So you can see I had a lot of interaction with these sort of things, and then eventually I moved in with my mom. We went to Wisconsin. Uh, a little town in western Wisconsin, I'll show you here in a minute. Um, and I had a lot of friends up there that were Catholic, and I went to Catholic mass and Catholic funerals, and I didn't go to a Catholic wedding, but, but it was really inundated, and, and my friends went to First Communion and, and all of these different things, and they would explain to me what it all meant. I didn't know. I was just taking it all in. So I graduated high school, went to my first two years of college at the University of Wisconsin at River Falls. Um, everybody calls it Moo U. Uh, we study agriculture there, and that's what I went for. So I did two years there, and I hated it. I was just, I just, I, was, I did not want to be in the classroom. I wanted hands-on experience. I wanted to, to get done with this school thing so I can go out and make money in the world. And that, I mean, that's what the driver was. And, and I just remember coming to this point of frustration, not having direction, uh, not knowing what to do, not wearing, knowing where to go. And so I decided to, to quit going to the University of Wisconsin, and I went to a technical program on the other side of the state. Now, as I was going there, unbeknownst to me, there was another young guy 
in, in a little town called Coshocton, Ohio, right outside of Coshocton, that was making the same decision. He also was tired of going to school where he was going. He was tired and he didn't have direction. He wanted to go to a shorter dairy program as well. And so he chose to go to this little school in eastern Wisconsin, just south of Green Bay, the same place that I was going to. And this guy would end up being pivotal in my life. So you're in Proverbs 16. Go down to verse 9. It says, A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. And I, I think back in my life, and I look back at the interactions that I had, the things that, that, that transpired, the, all of the decisions that I could have made, the people I interacted with, and I, I look back and I can see now that God was just moving in places and in ways that I didn't understand and know He was at the time. And so when I was going to, to this school, and he was going to the school, we both decided to go in January, which is a great time to go to that part of the world. I would highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> The school, I talk, was talking to one of the uh, admissions office in the school, and they were like, well, nobody comes here this time of year. There's you and one other guy. We don't normally pair people up for roommates. We don't offer boarding. You've got to get your own housing, but why don't you guys talk, and you can be roommates together? And I was like, fine. I called him, and he didn't sound like an axe murderer, so I'm sure, hey, this will work. And we ended up getting an apartment together. So this guy, we end up, we hit it off, I mean, like that. It's like we knew, had known each other for our whole lives. Like we had grown up together. We just, we just clicked. We meshed. And um, we had started hanging out for a few days, and, and he, uh, he's like, yeah, i got to find a church to go to. I, what, what's a good church around here? And you're asking me. Like, I don't know. Um, I, I literally have no idea. So we just started going through the phone book and looking for churches, and like, we're just going to try. Well, um, where, where's that first slide at? Can you throw the first slide up? Okay, so that's the, obviously, if you don't know that that's the United States, you need to go down that hallway. Um, okay, go ahead and throw the first arrow up. Okay, so that's where I started, and that's where I went, the second arrow. Okay, that's where my friend started, and that's where he went. Now the third arrow. Okay, there was this goofy guy from Canada who we met in class as well, and he was also a very solid born-again Christian. His name is Hedzer. He's a Dutch guy. He's really goofy. But uh, a man's heart divides his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so God's just bringing all of these pieces together. And I started going to church with these guys, and, and, and uh, Hedzer even uh, found this Bible study that we went, I went to with him. And I can remember distinctly, very distinctly, several times hearing the gospel preached very, very... Uh, firmly. I knew exactly what it was. Uh, I had family members. My stepmom was Jehovah's Witness at the time, and so I'm like asking questions, and I'm kind of searching, and I ask her, and so I'm getting ideas from her that, yeah, Jesus is not God. He's Michael the archangel's brother. Hell does not exist. Um, And then I'm hearing the gospel at this church, and then I, I know what I experienced with the holiness, and I know what I experienced with the Pentecostal, and I'm just like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just not going to worry about it. This hell not existing thing sounds really good. I'm probably just going to hang my hat on that in full speed ahead. And you laugh, but it's true. And, um, but I can see how God is moving all of these pieces. So I graduate. Uh, in, in, in the midst of me going to school, I'll save the time, but I, one of a very close friend of mine was killed by a drunk driver during that time. And, uh, but I graduated. I went back to River Falls in western Wisconsin, back to where I started. Um, 
Brent went back home, Hedger went back home, and I'm off by myself, and I'm surrounded by my, all my old friends. And start going back to the bars, and, and drinking, and smoking, and swearing, and, and just, just the whole, that whole lifestyle. And I, I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking, um, like this, this pressure just keeps pushing on my mind every day. And I, I, every day is just a little bit worse, and a little bit worse, and a little bit worse, and a little bit worse. And I can remember like coming home from the bars and I'd lay in my bed and I'm like, man, what if I got hit by the drunk driver tonight? What if that was me? Well, hell doesn't exist. And I would try to tell myself that, that it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the hell doesn't exist. And uh, it just kept pushing down like a vice. And just, let me just tell you this. When you preach the gospel to somebody and they tell you they don't believe you and they push back on you, that's fine. They can. But I'm going to tell you this right now. They may lie to you. But when they're alone with their thoughts, I'm telling you the truth of the gospel washes in on you like the tide, and there is nothing you can do to stop it. And, and trying to bury the truth is like trying to bury the ocean. You can throw anything you want at it, and it will just swallow it up. And I finally got to this point where I'm so miserable that I'm either going to lose my mind or I'm going to get right with God. Those are my two options. I kid you none. After I was at a bar one night with my friends, I came home. I just was, I, I couldn't take it anymore. I fell on my bed, and, and I prayed that night that God would save me. And I knew nothing other than I'm making a wreck of my life. I am, I am just a complete failure at everything. I'm doing everything I know is wrong. I know better than this. This is not right. God, will you save me? Whatever you want me to do, I don't need the staircase. I need the first step, and I promise you I'll be faithful to take whatever that step is. But you've got to make it clear because I can't do this. And uh, that's where the phone call happened. So it was about a week later, I got this phone call. My brother. And, and my brother at this point is a holiness pastor. And he's kind of estranged himself from the family. He's somebody that we don't really, I hadn't really talked to a lot. I still don't talk to him a lot. He's just, there's a lot going on there. But he calls me and he's like, Ed, he's like, uh, he's like, you've been in my mind for about a week. And I don't know why. It's just kind of weird. Um, he's like, well, I feel like I just need to call you and tell you that you need to go somewhere where you can find a church. And it's not Wisconsin. I just, just got to tell you that. I'm like, okay. And, uh, and I think maybe his motives were he wanted me to come to his church, which maybe, I don't know. But uh, I'm like, all right, God, you made that so clear. I, I, don't, I didn't know any, I knew nothing. I mean, when I say nothing, I knew nothing. But God had to get my attention, and he'll use anybody in anything, in any situation. But when a man's heart deviseth his way, God, I will follow you. The Lord will direct his steps. And there are things that God will do. He is the God of all flesh. There is nothing too difficult for him. And he will use the most bizarre, strange things to begin to, to point you and, and, and get you where he wants you to go. And so I decided right then, well, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. And so I put my notice in at work. I was going to decide between going to New York State and Ohio. There are a lot of cows in New York State, um, and there are a lot of cows in Ohio. And so I'm like, well, one of those two, I'm just going to pick one. And I'm like, well, I don't know anybody in New York. At least I know Brent in Ohio, and I know um, my dad lives in Marietta. So I'll go there. I know that Tuscarawas County area, there's a lot of cows there. Wayne County, there's a lot of cows. I'll find something. And but the church has to be, I have to find a church. The job will come. 
And so uh, whatever, I had a 95 Dodge Neon, whatever didn't fit in that car, I got rid of, packed it up, and, and left. It was the first weekend in, in uh, 2005. And I just remember, like, as I was pulling out of that, that morning, I was leaving town, and I left, like, well before sunup, which is, like, 10 o'clock up there. It's, <laughs> days are short. But as I was pulling out of town, I just remember, like, the northern lights were just blazing in the sky. And, like, that's the last thing I remember, leaving that state. And I was just driving, and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, what am I doing? I... I quit a job. They don't understand why. I'm driving a third of the way across the country. I can't explain to anybody why. Um, this makes no sense on paper, but I know where I was, and I couldn't stay there, and I didn't have the character to, to try to, to stand on my own. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't, I couldn't read and understand the Bible. I, didn't, I needed to go somewhere, and this is where I felt God was leading me to go, so I got to go. And I just know, I remember praying on the way to Ohio, God, you're just going to have to take me because I don't know where I'm going. I have no idea. Well, I got there on a Monday. My friend, I called him and told him, hey, I'm in town. And he's like, oh, cool. Well, there's a singles Bible study that meets every Tuesday night in New Philadelphia. It's called 640. You should come. I was like, sure, I'll go. I don't, I don't have anything going on. What am I going to do? So I drove up, and we went. And uh, I was like, all right, this is okay. This is a start. This is a toehold. I can, I can uh, find a launch pad here. I got a job that was no problem, started managing a large dairy down in, in Tuscarawas County, and then I just, started, I just started looking for churches. And I went to Coshocton County and looked at churches, and I went to uh, Tuscarawas County and looked at churches, and I just knew two things. I knew that the King James Bible was, was the Bible that you're supposed to use. I don't know why, I just know that you're supposed to, even though I had a new King James. I don't know why, but I did. And then the second thing was that eternal security is stupid, and if you believe that, there's just, you have no common sense, and so I will not go to a church to believe that. Like, those are my two criteria. And, but, and, and seriously, like, we laugh at that, but when I came out of the holiness movement, they believed that you could reach a point of sanctification where you no longer willfully sin against God, and they will look you in the face and tell you that. And, and I've been, to, they, they'll leave these camp meetings, these revival meetings. Oh, you know, Brother Scott, Brother Scott got sanctified this week. And I'm just telling you, like, we can laugh at that. And I, we, we dare not, because people genuinely believe that. And uh, that's, that's, what, that's what I had my mind saturated with. And so if the logic was that if I sin against you and then I say I'm sorry and you forgive me for everything that I'll ever do wrong, well, I can just go smack you in the face and you've already, you can't do anything about it. What a perverted view of the gospel. What an absolutely perverted view of the gospel. So as I'm going through this, I'm just asking myself, like we, when we talk to people, there, there are a lot of thoughts out there. There are a lot of ideologies. There are a lot of belief systems. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of people that will take this book <clears throat> and divide it in ways that, that suits their needs, their, their, their presuppositions, their ideas, and how things ought to be, and they'll make this book fit. And then what they'll do is they'll make everything fit that paradigm. And, and my question is, like, at what lengths are you willing to go to really find the truth? Are you trying to find arguments that will uphold your preference, or do you really want to drill down and find the truth? Because if you want to find the truth, you'll go to the ends of the earth to get it. And if your heart is to do that, God will direct your steps, and he will take you where you need to go. He will not leave you. Um, 
And then my question is, from just from a practical standpoint, as we have, we're fed amazingly well in this church, are we willing to do that every single day? Are we willing to go through lengths every single day to move things around, to make time, to, to find the truth every single day? And if we're not, why? What is it that we're not willing to do? What length are we not willing to go to to put this first and foremost? So, as I'm going through all that, um, I'm looking for this church, don't know where to go, don't know what to do, um, but God is, yeah, I don't know, he's moving, and I didn't know he's moving. And so I'm visiting all these churches and, and uh, going to 640 on Tuesday nights, and these two guys would not leave me alone, uh, John Bales and Chad Wingard, and uh, just would not stop. And uh, they're like, dude, just come check our church out. Come on. It's Sunday morning. Just come one Sunday. And I'm like, well, you guys, obviously, you believe what I don't believe, uh, so no. And they're like, all right, just keep just one time. Just come to our church. So I'm like, fine. To shut you two guys up, I will go. And when, I'm, when I've shut your stupid mouths, I will resume my search, and I will find the church that I'm supposed to go to. And so I don't know what the day was. I think it was in March sometime but I, I went into that church. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful sanctuary there. And, and uh, I went down on the, the, if you're facing the stage, I went clear down on the left-hand side, like third or fourth row back. And Mark Trotter was preaching, and he was preaching, I believe, through the book of Esther. And I was 10 minutes, I don't even know if it was 10 minutes, into that message. And I distinctly remember thinking, I mean, I, mean, I can tell you, I can distinctly remember the thought coursing through my mind. I have never heard this before. I have never heard this. It wasn't that Mark was a good orator. He was. He, he could speak very well, but that wasn't it. What he was doing was he had this book, and he was expositing and breaking it down and making it very clear so that somebody who didn't know his right hand from the left, spiritually speaking, could easily understand what this is talking about and saying. And, and I could take these bites of food and go to the next slide, please. This is what I felt like when I left the church the next day. There should be another slide. Jesus said unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Listen, I drove 900 miles into nothing, nowhere, I don't know where I'm going, to look for that. And when I found it, I knew it. And there's no way I can walk away from that. There is no way. Because my whole life, I've heard people, I've heard people take this book, as I said before, and use it to support their opinions. But this is the first time in my life I was in a place that did not use the Bible to support opinions, but instead they looked into the Bible as the fountainhead of truth. This is what it is. This is the standard. Everything else comes off of this. Everything. And the result, the result of, of taking this book and using it to, to, to postulate your opinions and hold up your opinions is really just comes down to the simple fact. It comes down to one simple fact. When people do not rightly divide this word, it will take you crazy places. God will allow you to do that. He will allow you to uphold things like eternal security doesn't exist, that you can reach a point of, of, of holiness where you're just a perfect 
person who doesn't sin. The audacity of that statement just blows me away. But you know what else that statement does? It allows you subtly to be in a position to let others know that they are or are not sanctified and that they've got some things they need to work on. Do you have any idea what it's like to live under that? My wife's uh, aunt, she's in her 60s, and she called me, I don't know, five, six months ago and was just talking to me about, she was talking to me about her house, and it ended up talking to me about her childhood growing up in an apostolic church, which is a very close cousin of the holiness movement. And she talked to me about how for years she prayed to get saved so many times because every week she felt like she lost her salvation and it was just never good enough. Constantly, constantly, constantly trying to go back because this book is not divided rightly. That's why. And so when I, when I saw that, um, turn with me to, uh, to 2 Timothy 3. I saw this book preached, heard this book preached, and I began to see that this is not like the other churches that I've been to. This is not like what I've seen before. I'm in 1 Timothy. Once again, these are pivotal things that God used in my life to draw me to a church that preaches the Bible. What Stephen's been talking about the last two weeks Look at verse 14 of chapter 3. But thou, but continue thou in the things which thou hast heard and been assured of. I love that you've been assured of this. This book can give you a level of assurance that nothing else in this world can. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. They are perfect, the holy scriptures. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. It is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why, colon, why? That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Listen, continue in these things. Don't stop every day. Go to the ends of the earth for the truth. Search for it every day. Continue in these things. Don't forget the things you were, if you were, were blessed enough to be raised in a godly family who, who instilled these things in you as a child, don't forget the things you were trained in according to this book. Continue in them. I'm telling you, not having assurance of your salvation, not knowing where you stand with God is the most miserable place to be on the planet. I can't tell you how miserable that was. I would never go back to that. But this book and rightly dividing it brings a level of peace that you can't find anywhere else. And so all scriptures are given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness. So here's what I love about this book is that it's, it's profitable for governing your life according to it. And not only can you govern your own life according to it, the church must be governed according to this. So that this book is the authority, not a human being. And how many places have we seen? I, I have clients I talk to. I, I talk to colleagues. I see, it on the, uh, I see it on the internet all the time. And even the video that Stephen played last week, the audacity of that man's statement. Do you remember the, Mike Schmidt? Not the baseball player. Was that how you say his last name? Schmidt, Schmidt, the, the Catholic guy. Do you remember what he said about the infallible book? I can't quote it verbatim, but what he said was, we have an infallible book, 
Ergo, you must have an infallible man to teach you how to understand the infallible book. That, that's what he said, the Catholic priest. I hate calling him father. I hate it. I don't do it. I can't stand it. So what happens is you wrongly divide this book. It's not the authority. And you have a man usurping the authority of the word of God so that now he can dictate to you what it says, how it says it, how to apply it, when it should be applied, with what degree, and see it all the time. All the time. Uh, there's a gentleman that I talked to that he's frustrated with his pastor because they can't have people over their house without their pastor saying they're allowed to. If they have a Bible study, the pastor has to sign off on it and give them the curriculum before, before they can take part in it. Constantly. Their best hope, they want this pastor to get, they want to run him out of town on a rail. Their best hope is a kid who's going to graduate from Pensacola in a few months. 23, 24 years old. That's a great idea. This is profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. To show you what's not right. To show you where you're wrong. Not only in your life, but also in this, this building. Because our pastors are not above the authority of this book. They're not. And they'll tell you that. And if we ever do them the disservice of elevating them above this, we're going to be in serious trouble. And, and there have been churches where... When, does it begin, when do you begin to have problems? When a man tries to slide his authority over this book, and in some cases take this book completely out of the hands of people. And it happens all the time. And I've seen it happen in churches that are King James churches that make disciples, that teach, teach church history, that teach all of the things that we teach. And I'm telling you right now, it's like Ronald Reagan said, liberty is one generation away from extinction, and so is faith in this book. And we have a responsibility to hold fast to it and then to train the next generation, to train faithful men and to make disciples to do the same thing. And that flies in the face of, of churches and belief systems that want to tell you that you can't make decisions on your own, that you must be told how to think and what to think and at what level, that I'm the infallible man who's going to tell you how to understand this book. Are you beginning to see the common thread that's weaving itself through all this? The audacity to say that I can be without willful sin. The audacity to say that I have the ability to tell you what this means. I mean, there's a lot of pride that's taking place here. And so, um, go to the next slide. Proverbs uh, 23, 12. Apply thine heart unto instruction and thy ears to the words of knowledge. You can read in Proverbs 1, Proverbs 2, Proverbs 3, all through it. Apply thine heart unto instruction. Right here, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, for reproof, correction, and instruction and righteousness. Apply thine ear unto it, or apply thine heart unto it, and thine ears unto the words of knowledge. Well, where are you going to hear the words of knowledge? You're going to hear it preached in a church that believes this is the authority above everything else. That's where you're going to hear it. So when I sat in that sanctuary and I heard Mark Trotter preaching a message that I've not heard a hundred other pastors preach, it is, it is instruction, it is wisdom, it is perfect, it is infallible. It's preached with the authority that it and only it deserves and it has the power to change lives. It has the power to change my life. To whom else shall I go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. There's nothing else. 
There's nothing else. I would quit my job a hundred more times for, for that. There's no job that's worth it. Nothing. And it was funny because shortly thereafter, there was, when Mark Trotter, he left, I don't know if you know the story, he ended up going somewhere else, but there was a, there was a pastor that tried to take this book out of my hands. Shortly thereafter, tried to take this book out of my hands. And I thank God for godly men who have been trained to, to hold this book up as an authority. And, and, and we're going to talk about discipleship in a second and why that's so important. But this has to be the authority. So we can govern our lives according to with the church. We get our doctrine. Uh, listen to week one, what Stephen talked about, the, 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 the things that, that a, church, a biblical church should be providing. Um, and it always, the doctrine is so important because it always distills down to behavior. If your doctrines are wrong, if they're, if they're taken from things that are wrongly uh, applied from this book or another book that supplements the Word of God, because in your mind this isn't enough, you're going to have perverted behavior that goes along with it. And, and, and pride can wear many masks, and it's going to look ugly, but it will always manifest itself. Um, it will help us with the ordinances instead of falling to pray to things like sacraments. And so we're going to keep communion and baptism. We're going to have these things done correctly and decently in an order in this body. And we're not going to fall prey to men telling us that we have to do these things to earn and keep and win our salvation lest we lose it. Um, it's going to keep us from saying that um, if, a, if a pastor or somebody comes into a church and tries to tell us that I've heard people say this, um, I'm the representative of the Holy Spirit. And you're, if you question, are you really going to question the Holy Spirit by questioning me? I kid you none. I've heard this said. Once again, usurping the authority of God's Word. And so it keeps our offices that we have in the church um, correct. And, and, and obviously, humility should be a huge factor there. But really, the next thing is, is, is making disciples. And so that's the third, the third thing I was going to talk about is... is um, there was the phone call that I got, that I, that I got to go, and I can't stay there. And then there was the invitation from those two guys to hear biblical preaching, and I couldn't turn away from that. But finally, there's the revelation. And what is it that, that, uh, that I had to learn? <clears throat> so I talked about this eternal security thing, and I thought it was just the dumbest thing in the world. It's just stupid, makes no sense. If I say I'm sorry for something that I did and you forgive me, I can go punch you in the face as many times as you want, and you can't get mad at me because you already forgave me. That was literally the thinking that I had. It sounds ridiculous, but I'm telling you, coming from a holiness background, that, that is the very argument they will make when you talk. It's stupid. Once again, a perverted, wildly perverted view of, of the gospel itself. It's a wildly perverted view of, of the love of Christ. It's a wildly perverted view of the picture in Ephesians 5. Um, so I had to work through this. And I remember, okay, so this is my hang-up. I, I can't get beyond this. And so I'm going to church at First Baptist. I've heard biblical preaching. It's I've, like nothing I've ever heard. It is the authority. I can't go anywhere else. But what am I going to do about this? And so I started going through discipleship with a young guy by the name of Chad Wingard. And, and we started going through the lessons. And I'm like, Chad, this, this eternal security, bud, it's just not, just not happening. And so he, he would talk to me about it. And he used the illustration of, well, you know, you're like this pen and you're in Christ and so now he sees you and you can't, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I like that, but I don't know. What about Hebrews 10, 26? And so he spent time with me and 
I know now that that's taken wildly out of context, um, that you can read that if you want to. If you want to use that as an excuse for losing your salvation, you can, if you want to wrongly divide the Word of God. And Chad worked me and worked me and worked me and worked me and worked me through these things, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm just not, I don't, I don't get it. You're not convincing me, Chad. I don't understand. Um, I, I mean, we agree on everything, but we're just not going to agree on this. I'm just not, okay. So here's what happened. In, in discipleship, what, what do we do in discipleship? We teach people to be daily in the Word, right? Because what's the authority? The, is the pastor the authority? Is the deacon the authority? Is the discipler the authority? The Word of God is the authority. We've established that. Okay, and we want people to be in the Word of God. So go to, to John chapter 10. So as I'm going through discipleship, and Chad is helping me get established, and um, I'm thinking through, uh, I've never heard this preached before. I'm beginning to understand it. I, man, I just, I'm, I'm ravenous now for the Word of God, and I've got to read through this, and, I, and I've got to be in it every day. And I'm like, wow, I've never seen this. And crazy, crazy things would happen. Like I would read something in my Bible, and then the pastor would preach on that very thing that, that next Sunday. I'm like, holy cats, how did he know to do, did you do that on purpose? Like, it's wild, but it happened. It happened over and over and over again. And so as I'm going through this and I'm showing my journal to Chad, and like, yeah, I'm re- writing these things out. And, and uh, I started to go through the book of John. And uh, I'm not getting any traction on this eternal security. And then I, and then I pick up in, in verse 25 of chapter 10 of John. And Jesus answered them, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, and I, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And I read that, and how do you argue? And so here, there's a part of that story that I didn't tell you. Remember how I talked to you about, I, I went to this, um, my, my mom, we, we, Pentecostal churches, and I went with her, and there was this prophet. Uh, so I was 15 years old, you know, going through that, that, 14 years old, going through that whole thing. My mom left, we a year and a half by ourselves, like, dad was not there, and, and, uh, you know, mom left and dad had to go. He didn't want to. But, and just what that does to a young person's mind. And you're going through these things. And we go to this Pentecostal church and I'm sitting in this service and I'm, I'm listening to this prophet talking. And, and he's... Somebody needs to explain the difference to me between a prophet and that kind of church and a fortune teller. Because I can't really tell the difference. There is none. It's freaky when you're in there. So me and my older brother, he's, uh, he's three years older than me, and, and we're, just, we're just close. And my wife would even tell you, like, we live a couple thousand miles apart, and we just, like, we think the same things. And, like, we're just... But you go through certain things in life with people, and you just become... So my brother and I are sitting in this message, and we're listening to this prophet talk. And, okay, the message is over, and at the end of it, it's time for the altar call, and that's when the games begin. And so everybody comes up to the front, 
and laying hands, and people are slain in the Spirit, and they're falling over and, pre- and, and, and speaking in tongues, and it's just high old time. And my brother and I are sitting in like the fourth row, like right over in this area, and we're just watching this. And everybody, it's, it's all starting to die down, and this guy walks over to us. We're the only two people in the whole sanctuary that are still in their seats. There is not another soul in the seat other than me and my older brother, and we're sitting right next to each other. And he comes over and he says to us, he just starts working us like a used car salesman. Like, we got to come up here and, you know, God's inviting you. God, the Spirit wants to fall on you, and, and I have a word for you. And, and just all of these, and we're just like sitting there. Like, I'm not budging, and I can tell he's not moving. And if, if I don't move, he's not going to move. And if he's not going to move, I'm not going to move. And we're just like, we're there together. And uh, this guy, like three volleys. Like three rounds he hits us with, and we just were not moving. And it's clear, we're just, we're dug in. And so he finally, I will never forget this, he just gets quiet for a second, and he looks at us, and he's like, because you have rejected the Holy Spirit, God is rejecting you, and the door is closed on you. And I'm just telling you, but that was 30 years ago, and I can still remember it, and it makes me mad because I, you don't know what that did. And uh, my point is, my point is, is it's a lie. And I don't need a man to tell me that, that, that this is what God has to say. I don't need you to tell me what to understand and think about things like this that are the truth. Because when you usurp your authority over this book and you're God's agent that's going to tell people messages directly from him outside of this, the perversion and the wickedness and the the damage that that does to human beings. And that's what really inflames me about all of these neighbors' religions that we're going to talk about is the damage it does to human beings. And this revelation that I had, this was when, this was when, what struck me about this is this is the first time that I didn't understand something and my opinion was changed because of the authority of this book. And this book overrode what I thought and what I wanted and what my proclivities were. And I didn't need a weirdo prophet to tell me that this is what it says and to tell me that this is what I should think. And that this is the word that God has for you. It's, it's a perversion, and it's wrong. But when this is the authority, and, and God has established a church, and a church knows that everything, this is the fountainhead of the truth, and everything comes back to this. Every position, every person, everything falls under the purview and the authority. Now our responsibility is to follow what Christ told us to do and to go make disciples and to tell other people, listen, this is how you begin to walk with God here so that you can begin to understand and God can speak to you personally through this book on a daily basis. Because this is the word of eternal, these are the words of eternal life. Where else shall we go? So when I found that, uh, when God directed my steps, put these people in my path, that I had to hear the gospel and the weight of that gospel was going to crush me or I would lose my mind and I couldn't say where I was, and I, so I just left and moved a thousand miles away, and God directed my steps there and brought me to this church, and I heard preaching for the first time. For the first time in my life, I heard the word preached. You can't go anywhere else when you hear the truth. There's just nothing. And then, 
it doesn't stop there, but you're put in a position where somebody says, no, listen, you have to pursue God on a daily basis yourself. He wants to speak to you. And I'm blown away by the fact that God, the God of all creation, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God that, 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 that created the stars also. I love that verse. Not only that, he knows the name of them. And you look at these pictures on NASA, and, and you can see how great and how grand and how perfect and amazing he is. And the God that, that by him kingdoms rise and fall, and by him all things consist, and all of these things are taking place, but he's moving the most minute pieces of your life because he cares about you, and he wants you to know him intimately. And he has established this thing called the church that falls under the purview and the authority of his word where you can hear instruction, where you can hear righteousness, you can apply your heart unto instruction, you can grow closer to him, he wants you to grow closer to him, he wants you to walk in these things, he wants you to be equipped and established in these things, he wants you to have knowledge and wisdom and understanding so that you can make right decisions, so that you can have godly marriages and godly finances and godly homes and lead godly businesses and godly governments and that you can raise godly children so that his glory will expand and his kingdom will grow that's what this is about he's he cares intimately about the most minute details that he will move all of these things and I look back and I think this is amazing because I'm nobody from nowhere with nothing but God cared about all of it and he used every bit of it and I think about all of the things because all I did was understand that I deserve to be destroyed and if I hadn't changed something I would be destroyed and cried out for God to save me, and just be obedient in one step, he gave me my wife. He gave me my children. I look in this room, and I've got friends that, oh man, I can't tell you how valuable you guys are. Never thought in my life I would have friends that valuable. You know what my friends were like when I was lost? They were colleagues in wrongdoing, weren't they? Not only that, I've, got, I've, I've been able to see salvation in my family members. I, I've, got, I've got spiritual food and exercise and growth that, that's preparing me for whatever God may have so that I can go contend for the faith. I'm not emaciated spiritually. Um, I've, I, I've been able to go to godly counsel. Do you ever think about how crazy that is in a Bible-believing church, a Bible-preaching church where everything falls under the purview of the Word of God? You can go to five people for counsel and they always weirdly, oddly line up. Do you know why? Because the same God is the authority of all of them. And they're just going to take you back to what the Word of God says. And if you do that, you're going to be all right. It may be the harder thing to do, but it will always be the better thing to do. I'm trying to get my children to understand that. I've had salvation itself. I've, I've, God gave me eternal life. He gave me joy in life. He gave me this church to be a part of and the joy that, that, that is involved in that. And, and then he's given me hope for people that I love and care about. That even though they may not, that I haven't seen them accept the gospel, I've been able to show them the gospel and share it with them and I can pray for them and I can point them to it. If, if he hadn't done any of this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that. I don't know where my life would be. I literally would be lost in every sense of the word. God's been nothing but good to me. And so when I, I, I know what I came out of, I know people meant well. They meant well. 
but they're wildly misguided because they didn't take this book and rightly divide it and study it the way that it's supposed to be studied, and they didn't train other people to do the same thing so that you multiply and grow and have other churches do the same thing. We have these wild tangents that we, that we live in, in, and follow, and great destruction is done. And that's why I love what God's done here. I love the fact that he's brought me here. It's not lost on me. I would do it all over again. He's been so good. That's why I rejoice that I see Greentown, and it's, God, please don't stop there. Don't stop there. We've got to keep moving. We've got to keep going. There's, there's a huge need for this sort of thing. So, Stephen asked me, what are the three things that, as God brought me to a Bible-believing church, a biblical church that's not like any of the other churches that I've ever seen or been to in my entire life? And it was the phone call, it was the invitation, and it was the revelation. And God working in my life and just humbly being obedient to him and his goodness, man, he has never failed me, he's never let me down, he's never fallen short, and he never will. And I just, I hope this is an encouragement to you Pray for this church. Pray for our pastors. Pray for one another. Be diligent to be in this book every day. Be diligent to, 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 to go to the ends of the earth for wisdom, to, to, to go to the ends of the earth to find the truth. Ask God for the instruction. What needs to change? What needs to be applied? God, where, where do I need to walk closer with you? Where do I need to grow? What needs to die? What am, I, what am I holding on to that's my opinion that's contrary to what this book says? God, show me so that I can get it right and I can be in agreement with you on everything, every part of it. And then be an encouragement to one another. Be an encouragement to me. I need it. And pray for our pastors. They, they need it. So, it's actually a little bit shorter than normal. I'm, I'm like way under the wire. But um, that's, uh, that's what I wanted to share with you guys tonight. That's why there's no blanks on your study sheet. It's just, this is what God did. And I appreciate the opportunity to share these things with you and I pray that it's a blessing. Father, as I said before, I just to say that you're good is just not even a powerful enough statement. God, you're everything. And uh, the fact that you saved me, the fact that you've worked in my life, that you brought me here from a thousand miles away, that you put the people in my life, that, God, this book is perfect. It's your authority that I can trust it in everything, God, that I can follow you and walk with you and know you. And God, you're not a mystery. You're not nebulous. You're not out there somewhere, God. You're real, and this book is perfect, and I pray, God, that we would draw closer to you, that we as a body would draw closer, that you would strengthen us, that you would use us for your glory's sake, God, and that, that while you tarry, that we would be busy making disciples and, and expanding your glory, God, and, and God, pulling those out of the fire who don't know they're in danger. I love you, Father, and I just ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.